this mindset and this heart, Basil. As Basil's coming up, he's going to just stretch out our hands to him. Father, we just want to thank you for Basil. Thank you for the blessing that he is. Thank you for the example that he is to, to us um, as believers, God. And we pray this morning that you will come and that you will speak through him, God. That you will use him as a, a microphone, God, for your voice. And so we open up our hearts, God, and we, we pray that as the words come, Father, we trust you for fruitful soil in our hearts, God. That the word will accomplish um, and establish your kingdom in our hearts and a sense of eternity, God. That you will open up our perspective of eternity in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Rion, you live right on the edge here, bro. Sure. Feels like you're going to fall off. Good morning, Rion. Thank you so much for the privilege. AM congregation, good morning to you. My goodness me, you're a good-looking bunch of people. And then I still have my favorites, though. PM. We're allowed to be a little bit biased. And if you're visiting us, you're still the best. Wonderful. I want to just speak for a couple of moments this morning on He did it for us. He did it for us. You know, so often life wants to beat you and I up. Things can go horribly wrong. And you need to still understand that when we do wrong or things go wrong, doesn't make us wrong. It doesn't make us failures. It just makes us experience moments when things went a bit chaotic. But everything he did, he did for you and I. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, let's go to 1 Corinthians. It's going to be on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, reading from verse 1. It says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you. I did not come with elegant or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That is our message. That is the hope that's on the inside of you and I. It says, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. But not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined to our glory before time began. None of the rulers, listen to this, I love this passage of scripture. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They had no clue what they were doing. They played into the plan that God had destined, and it caused them great headache. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, and no ear has heard, and what no man mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within him? In the same way, no man knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. 
What a powerful passage of Scripture where Paul's just putting it very simply. If God doesn't pitch, nothing's going to happen. If God doesn't come and touch, nothing changes. So I want to ask you a question this morning. If you had six hours to live, what would you do different? Six hours to live, what would you do different? Can I throw out a a thought? If you only had six hours to live, it's too late to start. It is too late to start. And I want to ask one thing. That as we come and we remember the greatest gift that came to you and I, that changed our life, that changed our history, changed everything about us. Only if you've given your life to Jesus Christ will you understand how He has transformed you from what you used to be to where you are now. And how I am now. And that doesn't mean that we've made it. No, we're still on this journey. But that means He's real. That means He's alive. And if you, if you really want your life to count, I'm asking you to start today, if you haven't started already. Start to be the difference. You see, death forces me to relook at my values, how I spend my time, what, I, what I'm worth making, or, or what's worth making an issue of. Death changes everything on how I see things. You see, death changed everything about you and I when it came to Jesus' life. And so we look at Jesus' life and we see Jesus spent his whole life and his whole time with people that would stay behind and would become the difference makers. That's why Jesus wants to encounter your and my life so that you and I will become the fragrance of God wherever we go. Why are you important in this picture? It's because you're going to meet people I will never see in my life. Who's going to bring Jesus to those people? You are. And that's why God wants to touch your life. That's why He wants to change your life into a testimony. That's why He wants your life to count wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And that's why John 3.16 becomes the most amazing scripture, the bedrock of Christianity. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only, the best that He had, the only that He had, that whoever would believe in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And that's the goal. That none would perish, but all would have eternal life. You see, it's so easy to count life with what I'm living now. And we seem to think that the day that this physical body dies, that's the end of life. That's the beginning of life. This life in my physical form is finding out why I was created. So that I can live that. And I can connect to the God that created me. So that when this physical body dies, my life then starts in eternity. Do you know how long eternity is? Have you ever thought about that? Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and it just never ends. Our minds can't conceive that. But the reason why Jesus came is because everything went horribly wrong. Where the enemy was able to take Adam and Eve and, 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 and trick them into, into not obeying God. And that goes right back down to Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. It says, and so the Lord God said to the servant, because you have done this. I love this. Cursed are you above all livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head And you will only strike his heel. 
What an amazing promise. I want to ask you for a moment. If you had to have somebody say that to you, what would you start doing? I'm sending somebody that's going to crush your head. What would you do? How would you live your life from there on? Would you always be kind of like looking over your shoulder? Would you be very conscious in the crowd? Kind of like who's sneaking up on you? Have you seen these, these movies, these um, detective things where the guys are creeping up and they're following each other and, and all that kind of stuff, whatever? You, can you imagine living your life there? So suspicious of everybody. Well, please forgive me for a moment, but you know what? I, I actually love to read the Bible in Technicolor. I love to imagine that. And so when I'm reading through the Bible, then I start to see the people that God raised up. And I wonder how the enemy saw them through his eyes. Can you imagine Noah? You know, what kind of picture do you have of Noah? Physical worker, hard. Look at somebody who's very physical. When they clop you, it feels like a gorilla clopped you. (laughs) And I'm sure the enemy was thinking, I wonder if this is a guy that's going to crash my head. It's amazing how Noah dies all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden, Abraham rises up and God starts to speak to him about a man of faith and the father of many nations. And I'm sure there were questions in his head. Maybe this is the one that's going to crush my head. And somehow Abraham dies. But then Moses rises up and God gives him a staff. And it's like, this must be the guy. I mean, he whacks the Red Sea and everything opens. He whacks a rock and water pours out of there. This must be the one that's going to mess up my head. He dies. Then all of a sudden, Joshua takes over from there. Then God speaks a promise to him. Every place you put your foot, and then I'm sure the enemy must have thought, this must be the the foot that's going to crash my head. Every place you put your foot, I've given it to you. It's amazing that Joshua eventually dies. And then there's a young man that rises up, but then he he becomes a a little shepherd boy, and he becomes so good with a sling, and he takes down a a lion and a bear, and, and, and I'm sure the enemy was thinking, this is the man. This is the man. And David dies. And so we go on, down, 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 and then all of a sudden, one day, there's an insignificant little boy that's born in a manger. Humble beginnings. But what the enemy didn't realize, his trouble was born. His trouble was born. You see, don't judge the book by the cover. Don't look at how things start And presume you know how they're going to end. Don't look at your life and think, you know what? I started on the wrong side of the railway track. There's no hope for me. You see, one encounter with Jesus can change you forever. He can change you forever. He he turns nobodies into somebodies. He turns nothings into somethings. He turns messages into amazing testimonies. And messes into something that, that, that he can use. And so all of a sudden, we see when Jesus is walking on the face of the earth, he's walked a sinless life. The enemy couldn't throw any accusation against him. The devil made uh, people sick. Jesus comes around and he starts to heal them. He made people blind. Jesus starts opening their eyes. Made people deaf. He opens their ears. He made people crippled. Jesus restores their limbs again. Anybody that was demon-possessed, all of a sudden, Jesus prays them to cast demons out. Why? Because the scripture in John 3.16, For God so loved that he gave. You see, love is the motivating factor. Love is the message that we celebrate today. The love of God that came to earth, came looking for me and you, 
so that we could experience a most amazing God. God so loved. See, love changes lives. Love builds destiny. Love gives hope. And the devil could do nothing when Jesus was walking around. And everywhere Jesus went, he seemed to mess the enemy's plans up. But it's an amazing story again, just like all the other ones where they were there and the enemy kind of like saw and thought, yo, this must be the person. Then all of a sudden they died. Here, all of a sudden in Jesus' life, all of a sudden the Roman soldiers grab hold of him. They whip him. They abuse him. They accuse him. They hang him on a cross. Think, wow, what happened to all that? But I love the story because the devil forgot to listen to what Jesus said When he was alive, in John 10 verse 18, Jesus said, No one takes my life lest I lay it down. You see, you couldn't take Jesus' life. He gave it. He gave his life. And and I, I don't know what you have ever purchased in your life that has, that has cost you a lot. But the reason why you paid the price is because you put great value on that which you were purchasing. And God put great value on you and I that he gave his son for you and for me. What an amazing story. In 1 John 3 verse 8 it says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. Everything that the enemy has ever used against you, Jesus came to break its power over your and my life. And the beautiful story today is that you and I don't have to live under the the, the forceful hand of the enemy. We can live free. We can live free. Free from all those things that we've struggled with because Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the restorer. You see, we're talking about he did it for us. He did it for you. He did it for me. See, God is a covenant-making God. Do you understand what that is? We're living in a time where covenant doesn't really mean anything. But if you go back to the Bible days, covenant was the way they lived. What is covenant? Covenant is, is, is making an agreement with someone. And normally covenants would be made with a strong tribe, with a weaker tribe. Why? Because everybody was fighting people to try and gain ground. And so a weaker group of people or a tribe would make a covenant with a stronger group. So that if anybody came to war on this, the weaker, the stronger guys would fight for. Then there's a thing in covenant says, what is yours is mine and what's mine is yours. When you get married, you go into covenant. Some people say what's yours is mine and what's mine is mine. You're not going to build a very good marriage that way. But when you go into marriage, it's what's yours is mine and what's mine is yours. Your enemies become my enemies. My enemies become your enemies. The things that I have now become yours. As well. And, we, and all of a sudden, we see that there's a whole different way. And God is a covenant-making God. He came and He made a covenant with you and I through Jesus. What did that covenant? What did, what did God bring to your and my life? And what did He take from us? Number one, He stripped the enemy of all authority. So that the enemy would not have authority over you and me. Isn't that nice to know? So the only authority that the enemy has over you and me today is that which I give him. I want to throw something out here, and again, it's Basil's perception. 
You remember what it says there to the enemy in Genesis chapter 3? It says, you'll crawl on your belly, speaking to the enemy, and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. Remember that? What were you and I made of? I want to give out for you your consideration. Our carnal nature is the dust that the enemy feeds on. And when you and I live in our carnal nature, he has a doorway into our life. And that's why the Bible calls us out of sin into his wonderful light so that we close that door on the enemy. So he stripped him, number one, stripped him of all his authority and, and, and protection. In Colossians 2.15 it says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So that which looked like failure and defeat at the cross was the greatest victory that ever took place in history. Number two, he took back the keys of hell, death, and the grave. In other words, he died so you and I could live. Now, I don't know about you. The older I'm getting, I'm getting to find out that this lay fee doesn't seem to um, respond like it used to. When I get up in the morning, it's, it's almost like I've got to pump myself up. And I've got to kind of like get everything to, to move again. Is there anybody? Really? <laughs> I just thought it was me. It's kind of like a bit of a, a, a misused youth kind of stuff. You know, we did things when, and then and we thought that we were invincible. And then all of a sudden now it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But it, how did I get into that? I'm not too sure. But anyway, he died so we could live. And in Revelation 1.18 says, I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and hell. No longer has a hold over you and I if we will allow Jesus to take authority and control over our life. It's all about submission. Number three, he became sin so that we could stand before God in righteousness. Yeah. The Bible says that my sin, uh, uh, my, my, my best righteous acts is like filthy rags. But Jesus comes and he washes me so that I can stand before God righteous. That when I stand before God, God doesn't look at me. He looks at me through Jesus. He looks at what Jesus did at the cross. He looks how he, he cleansed me from my past. And then that's how God sees me. And I am so grateful for that. In 2 Corinthians 5.12, he said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Number four, he was rejected that we might be accepted. Do you know of anybody who's kind of like living under the, the I'm not too sure what word to use over here, the, the, the umbrella of rejection, that they've never been good enough didn't matter what they did, somebody had something bad to say. How many children are walking around that try to please their parents their whole life, and they just never got it right? And today, they're still running under that umbrella, trying to become free. And if you're in this room this morning, and that's what you were experiencing, I want to tell you today, there's nothing that you can do, and I can do, that it can press God more than just being you. The Bible says that he created you and I, and he destined us for great things. And just you is amazing to him. And will you just allow 
the amazing love of God to comfort your heart and let him live through you. That's it. There's nothing you can do. We are saved by grace, not of works. There's nothing you can do that can change how God sees you. He thinks you're beautiful. He thinks you're amazing. He thinks you're wonderful. In fact, he says in Psalm 139, I think it is, he says, the psalmist says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and my soul knows it very well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He was rejected that we might be accepted. 1 Peter 2, 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by man, but chosen by God and precious to him. You need to understand the depth of that scripture. The very people that Jesus came for are the very ones that put him on the cross. He knows what it's like to feel rejected. He knows the pain. He knows all those things. Number five, he was cursed so blessing would come our way. Just lost my place. He was cursed so blessing could come our way. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. Jesus came to bring blessing and life to you. Number six, he was beaten. He paid the price for our wrongdoing, for our injustices, paid the penalty for our sin. He paid the penalty so that we could be healed and we could walk in physical strength. Isaiah 53 verse 4, surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds. We were healed. All he's saying there, there's an open invitation for you and I to come to him and to ask him. What is your need? What is it that you need? What is wrong? He's the fixer. He's the restorer. He's the protector. He's the lover. He's the everything. Number seven, he died so we could live. Can somebody just shout hallelujah for a moment? Man, I want to tell you, if I, I, I often get a scary thought, and this is the thought. What would my life be like if I never had an encounter with Jesus? I would be in a ditch somewhere. Everything that I was doing, the way I was living, and, and, and that the person, that, that rejection, that, that low self-esteem, you're looking at him. That's the things that I struggled with in life. And and God had to bring healing into my heart. But if I had gone on following those things, trying to impress people, trying to um, just do something right, I want to tell you, my life would be absolute mess today. I'm actually, I don't even think that I would be alive. But he came and he died for us so we could live. And that's why John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have Eternal life. In Matthew 26, 32, and after he had risen, he said, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Why? Because he'd come so that they would experience life to the full. You and I can exist. There's one song. It says, um, uh, uh, breathing, but I'm not uh, 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 alive. What, what's that, that song says? Breathing, but not. Yeah, something like that. There's a song. That wasn't a very good illustration over there because I couldn't. <laughs> Just leave that one. In Matthew 28, when we read it, you see of Jesus after his resurrection, he goes and he meets many, many people. And Jesus had such an impact 
in history. You know, many people say, ah, Jesus is just a bedtime story and da-da-da-da-da, whatever they say. But here's the deal. Jesus split history in half. It doesn't matter what religion you are, you experience Easter because the whole world has got it on the calendar. It doesn't matter who you are and whether you acknowledge Jesus Christ came in the flesh or whatever. Christmas is part of the worldly calendar. Your dating system, every time you put a date on a letter, you're declaring Jesus Christ came because our dating system, our time system, everything is, goes right back to the birth of Jesus Christ. There's no man in this world can, can deny that Jesus never came. He split history in half. And this is the wonderful thing. He still gives eternal hope. He still restores broken lives. He's still binding up the wounded. He's still setting the captive free. He is still restoring homes and marriages. He is still, in, in, with you businessman, in your business wanting to build it so that you can become a financer of the kingdom and demonstrate His glory through you. He is still that God. He's still interested in you. He's interested in your children. He's interested in your children's children. He's looking down time. He's planning everything now. And everything is falling into place for His perfect plan. He is an amazing master at planning. He did it for us. His resurrection proved He was the Son of God. He said He would die. And He did die. But He also said that He would rise again. And He did Jesus has one desire as I land. He desires to live in the hearts of every single living being. There is no one that he cannot reach. There is no one that he does not want to live in their hearts and their lives and be involved. You and I, we quickly kind of like look and we can gauge whether you know, I think this person can save, or no, this person is, is way beyond. But I want to tell you today, there's no one beyond his reach. No one beyond his reach. He is calling. And he's, he's one desire to live in your heart. One desire to have a relationship with every single one of us. One desire to write our names in the, in the, in, in the book of life in heaven is one of his greatest desires. Because then you have eternal life. To spend eternity in the presence of a living God. That is why Friday is such an amazing day. It's a day we celebrate the greatest act of love that has ever been demonstrated in our life, in this world, in history. And it's all because of you and I. If you and I weren't here, he wouldn't have had to do it. But because you're here, I'm here your friends out there, your neighbors out there that don't know him, that's the reason why he came. And so Rion's already made a call. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, but maybe now that you've heard the word, maybe there's somebody sitting over you, know, you realize, you know what? I actually don't know if I know this Jesus. I've heard about him. I've met you. Maybe you've been to church often. Maybe you've been to weddings and those kind of things. You've heard the gospel speak. You've been heard about the love of Jesus. You've heard amazing things. But you've never surrendered your life personally to him. And I really sense right now that, that there's maybe one or two people that God's touching your heart and saying, you know what? I'm calling you. I'm calling you. And, and maybe you served God one time. 
But stuff happened. And somehow, the love for Jesus inside you is going cold. You're really not serving Him anymore. You can't like come to the Easter services and Christmas services and those things. Why? Just to clear your conscience because you're doing the right thing. But you know deep down on the inside, there's no living relationship here. And I want to ask you today, will you make certain? Will you cause heaven? You know, the Bible says this. When one person responds to the love of Jesus, the whole of heaven rejoices. Do you know what that sounds like? That's like a party in heaven. Can you imagine the roar of praise and shouting and celebration that happens? That's the value. And the point I'm trying to make, that's the value that God puts on your and my life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, if you could have the honor of that, please. You don't know Jesus, or maybe you did serve him, but you're really not serving him anymore. You're just doing stuff. And today you would want to, because of the word, because of what you've heard, you want to put everything back into place again. And if you're in this room this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ, if you will silence every other voice, there'll be one voice that'll be crying out to you. Will you come to me? Will you respond to me? I love you. It's the voice of Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, you, you may you're not serving him, and you want to respond to him, can I ask you just very quickly in the privacy of this moment, will you just put up your hand and say, yes, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Can you just put it up high so we can see? We don't want to embarrass you, but we sure want to make sure that nobody walks out this place not having an opportunity to put their life right with Jesus. Is there anybody really sense God's working in people's lives in this place this morning? You need Jesus. He's the answer to everything. There's a battle that's going on on the inside. Your mind's saying this doesn't make sense. Your heart is saying this is what you needed your whole life. Is there anybody? Will you, will you, will you give up that battle and just surrender? Anybody saying to Jesus, I need Jesus. He loves you. That cannot be emphasized enough. He loves you. You're so valuable, so precious to him. So, Father, I pray for every single person over here. Your word says you know who are yours. And, Lord, if there's anybody here that, that, is, that, is, that is not responded, or somebody here that is distant, I thank you, the Spirit of God, you would continually draw them, speak to them, reach out to them, touch them, demonstrate yourself like no other man can. Show yourself strong. On your behalf, in Jesus' name. Cause miracles, Lord Jesus, so that they would look up to you, acknowledge you, respond to you. We commit every single person to every family. I'm asking that, God, you would continue the great work that you started in all our lives. Finish it, we pray, in Jesus' name. Help us to become a witness, Father, wherever we go. May we, may we carry the fragrance of Jesus Christ. In such a way that the world may know that you're alive and that you are love. Commit every person to you in Jesus' name. Thank you and give you praise. Thank you for your word and thank you that your word never returns void, but accomplishes what it needs to do. Inspire our hearts, Father, 
that we would be hungry to see the lost saved. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we give you praise. Amen. Amen.